What's comedy got to do with theology? What does the Bible have to say about laughter? What power does comedy have to convey truth about God and his world? Can God minister to us through humour? And how can comedy give us hope? Welcome to Talking Theology, a podcast of Cranmer Hall Durham, where we explore some of the big questions of life and try to join the dots between theology, church and the world. I'm your host, Philip Fleming, and in today's show, I'll be talking to Kate Bruce, former deputy warden here at Cranmer Hall and now an RAF chaplain. And our question is, why does theology need humour? Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy the show. So, Kate, welcome to Talking Theology. Thank you. And welcome back to Durham, Kate. Uh, You've got a long-standing connection here. Tell us a little bit about that and tell us what you're doing now and how all that's joined together. Long-standing connection with Durham. Um, I trained for the ministry here at Cranmer Hall, uh, 98 to 2001. I was a curate in Ripon and uh, during that time I came back here and did a master's in theology and ministry. Uh, Then moved back to Durham as a chaplain to the Hill Colleges with an association with a local church community and uh, then landed back in St John's as chaplain and research fellow in preaching and then became deputy warden and tutor in homiletics and I left here uh, late last year, was it last year? I think so. No it wasn't, it was 2017, yeah. time flies um, and uh, joined the RAF as an RAF chaplain which I've been doing now for nearly a year. So you've kind of experienced ministry and you've taught theology. Mm-hmm. You're now um, experiencing ministry from a very different perspective. You've had this kind of long-standing interest in comedy. Tell yeah. us where that started. Where did it come from? And and I guess how's it kind of mapped onto your journey with God? Yeah, um, I think I think it's. Kind of, I, I look back and I was always the class clown at school, and uh, that's never changed. Every job I've ever had, right at the heart of the way I've gone about things, has been making people laugh, which is just such a delight to me. Um, To say something, a quip or a witticism, and to have people collapse with laughter for me is... uh, I think there's something about vocation in that. Um, And the use of language has always been really important to me, so it was no surprise, in a way, that after a career as an English teacher, I ended up um, working... Uh, on preaching and teaching preaching, preaching and imagination. And I noticed often when I preached that people would laugh. I think they were laughing um, not at me, but with me. Um, and, and comedy's always been a part of my preaching. So it's part of who I am, really. And so the question, is it okay to laugh? What, what, what's the connection between theology and laughter? Is there good laughter and maybe bad laughter? That's really important to me. Well... I'm looking forward to kind of hearing more about that in in the show today. Let's look at the battle after first of all, okay. if that's okay. So yeah. kind of tell me about when you've experienced or you've perceived comedy to have a kind of dark side. I, what are the times when it can actually damage rather than help before we look at the kind of the good stuff? Yeah, um, I found myself as a teacher of preaching, It's you know, you often read or hear that preachers should look at the art of 
um, stand-up comedy. So I did, and I thought, well, let's go one step further than just watching back-to-back Eddie Izzard videos, um, DVDs, showing my age now. Um, And let's actually practice it. Let's go and see if I can do stand-up. And so I wrote a piece called Woman of the Cloth. Um, This was a few years ago now. I went to a, a comedy club in Newcastle to deliver it in a dog collar. Um, and let's say that the environment in this comedy club was somewhat sticky. Mm. Shall we just put it like that? Yeah. Um, and I and, you- and I did my piece and it went down well. But what I found really difficult was that the other comedians who were on that night, all of their comedy really was pretty misogynistic and or if not racist as well. Mm. And I just thought that to me isn't funny to to make fun of the other. It's on the same level as the kind of, you know, fat shaming or mm-hmm. trolling people online. And it's the kind of comedy that gets its laughter by by standing on people and putting them down. And I found myself in the really weird position with one of these guys who actually had enviable comic timing. He was brilliant. But his his comedy was just not. It didn't particularly make me laugh, but what I found engaging was his brilliant timing. So mm. I was in this really weird yeah. position admiring him. of admiring him and wanting to smack him in the face all at the same time. Very so strange. That was kind of comedy that you just described as effectively comedy is against or co- comedy is above, looking yeah. down. It's, it's, it's a comedy that the, others, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it doesn't build people up. It doesn't, I don't think it creates a good sense of community in in the people that join together laughing at i think it's there's something inherently dark about it let's kind of probe at kind of again some of the critiques of comedy before we look at kind of what how it might be used positively how, how would you answer the question i think probably some people would pose isn't faith a bit too serious for comedy isn't aren't we talking about salvation here aren't we talking about the the very important weighty eternal questions and 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 you know, is it really the case that, that the church should have a place for comedy or has had a place for comedy over the years? Well, the, the pro- whilst I don't disagree with you, of course, that faith is serious and a weighty matter. If you push that line too far, it becomes kind of dull, boring, soulless, not earthed in the ordinary. Um, what happens to joy? Mm-hmm. So I suppose my question back is define the define comedy. And I would say Christianity is ultimately a comedy. And I'd want to talk about laughter in terms of building solidarity, laughter in terms of joy, laughter in terms of the prophetic voice. Um, and I'd want to, to talk about the imminence of laughter and the God who is in the earthy and the moment and the here and the now. And and ultimately, I'd say that for me anyway, as I reflect on the Christian story, the high point of that comedy comes in John 20, in the mistaken identity, where Mary uh, thinks that Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, is a gardener, which I, I think is hilarious. And the moment that she understands her name, she hears her name and Mary and the scales drop from her eyes is a high point of levity and joy and turning things on its head, the topsy-turvy world, the unpredictable, the seeing more in a situation. So there's something about her joy in that moment that is also comedic. Is it, just going back on that thing that you raised there, is it possible, think, do you think, to have a full experience of joy without an element of comedy? Well, I'm going to say no. I, I think... I don't think so at all. Now, then you might come back to me, and I've I've certainly pondered why in the Gospels, you know, we see Jesus weep. Um, We see him in various different states, but the Gospels never say 
and Jesus laughed or even broke a smile or giggled a little bit. And yet it seems to be impossible to imagine a Jesus who doesn't laugh. I mean, if you think about it, he's, he gets a load of stick because he goes to parties with all the, you know, with all the bad people, the wrong people. They're not going to accept him in his part in those parties if he sits in a corner with a dour expression on his face. Mm. You know, let's have less of that, please. Mm. I, not at all. I think he was absolutely full of joy and laughter. Um, I find it hard to read the Gospels, say uh, the story of um, Zacchaeus, you know, paying back fourfold. I can't imagine a Jesus who didn't crack a smile at that. Mm. Um, So I think think there's something about being fully human and laughter being part of that, and therefore it must have been part of his experience. And so we can see, for example, the wedding feast in John chapter 2. They were laughing before the wine was... uh transformed from water yeah and man imagine jesus was part of that i think so yeah yeah where else would we look in the bible then if, if kind of we're, we're constructing we have to construct an image an image of jesus as somebody who embracing humanity and all its fullness did laugh mm-hmm. where else might we go in the bible as kind of evidence of a positive theology of comedy or laughter well, it's interesting. If you look in the Old Testament, um, whenever laughter is referred to, uh, certainly in the Psalms and in Proverbs, um, it's the laughter of derision. This mm. is quite uncomfortable. Mm. So the, the Lord laughs to scorn the sinners, the, the kind of fools who rebel against him. So it doesn't look immediately like a, a good place to go mining for mm. a theology of comedy. But it's very hard, I think, to read the scriptures, Old Testament and New Testament, and not hear a kind of underground bubbling of laughter and the comedic. Um, when you when you look at the stories and you think to yourself, well, you know, there's Noah, the man who walked with God, you know, builds the ark. What's the first thing he does when he comes out of the ark is he gets plastered and takes all his clothes off. God works with people who are fundamentally flawed, and there's something comic in that. Um, so I kind of, I can see this sense of, of the, of divine laughter all the way through scripture. Tell me about that moment in, in Genesis where Sarah laughs and there's that encounter that you didn't laugh. I I did did laugh, you know, what what kind of, what's the, what's the thread of laughter we're picking up there? I think for her, she laughs because it's impossible. This is, Mm. I mean, in a sense, in her laughter, there is a sort of, there's doubt, there's vulnerability, there's there's also a, a hidden echo of joy and the fact that she mm. names him Isaac, which means he laughs or laughed, laughter, something along those lines, tells the story it's itself. And I love that story because there's something so ordinary and human in Sarah's, both in her laughing and in her denial of, oh, I didn't mm. laugh, very serious. Almost as if kind of laughter helps embrace what we can't see as possible is that is that fair? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So so what what's the kind of is there kind of other examples in the scriptures of 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 the the laughter that's making making fun of the awful or fun of the fun of the uh, unusual or I'm I'm just wondering about that sort of sense of comedy which is kind of taking the mundane and taking a different perspective on it. I think well the story that springs to mind is of course the story of Balaam's ass. Mm. Um the, the idea that the donkey can see more than the man. Mm. To, the donkey sees the angel and is not going to move. 
um, and speaks back to him. There's something there about the ability of the, the donkey in the story to see the more in the situation that the human cannot see, which again I think is inherently funny. It's a brilliant, uh, brilliant moment, isn't it? Um, so talk about if if laughter's kind of there as a kind of laughter and comedy is there as kind of a part of the what it is to be human therefore part of something that was inhabited by Jesus mm-hmm. um and dignified in Jesus's life um where does that leave us in terms of understanding the life of faith today when do when might we resort to laughter or how can god use it in our own christian lives i think there's a whole number of things i'd want to say in answer to that question um there's something about the sanctification of the apparently trivial um that laughter notices the small things and takes joy in the small things um which to me seems to pick up lots of themes in the new testament uh, God's concern for the seemingly insignificant is all over the New Testament. The kingdom of God, like a mustard seed, um, that the one who is least among you is greatest. Um, unless you become like a little child, you'll never enter the kingdom of God. Something about the smallness of things. And if we look at humor, uh, at, at humor, we might we could see humor in in sort of um, the humor of paradise. The humour of paradise lost, the humour of paradise regained. And the humour of paradise is about, I think, is the humour of the child. It's the silliness of the child. It's the child that, that plays in the mud and sees the little things and delights in the little things and notices. So there's something about innocence and laughter. But we could also say, well, what about the laughter that comes after the fall? This is the laughter, sometimes of survival, gallows humour, mm black humour, the laughter that gives you hope, the laughter that gives you the the ability to speak truth to power, to subvert, um, the laughter that can be found in the darkest of places and that just gives you enough to hang on and keep going. And then you could talk about the laughter of paradise regained, um, which to my mind is about a new laughter, the laughter of the possible, where you didn't think it was possible. So the laughter of... Um, the laughter of uh, life from death, the open door where there was only a wall, the laughter of hope and possibility and new things, uh, more than we could begin to imagine. So I'd say there are kind of three different categories of laughter. Thanks. Let's let's pick up on those three. Yeah. So the, the the laughter of paradise is 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 how you understand a, a, a comedy that simply finds joy in the very small stuff because yeah. it's a it's that small stuff that is itself created by God. So yep. finding something funny because comedy often is often about taking a very mundane set of routine everyday events, the morning routine, uh, and and kind of putting something a light on it that turns it into something funny you say when we're kind of doing that we're kind of saying and god notices that and in in bringing that out we're almost saying and that too is created by god is that is that a fair summary yes it's it's like there's something inherently playful about that kind of laughter and the ability to play is inherent to who we are as human beings so give us an example of something that you've a joke or a kind of skit or something where you think that that's funny and that's kind of that's the laughter of paradise. 
Well, for example, you probably can't pick this up on the microphone, but as as Philip and I are attempting to have an intelligent conversation in a different room in an office is my dog who is howling, whining about the fact that we've just locked her up. And I'm trying to have this conversation and stay in the moment, but I'm also overwhelmed by the desire to get up and very, very gently batter my dog till she shuts up. Um, there's something about that, isn't it? We're trying to be terribly serious here and have this conversation. Meanwhile, part of me is absolutely distracted by the dog who's just making me want to laugh. That might be a good example yeah. in the moment, yeah. distracting us from our terribly serious theological discussion. Is a whiny and dog. Is a whiny dog, a wonderful whiny dog. And there's something changes about, the perspective. And there's something about, yeah, exactly. So it's just don't take yourself too seriously, yeah. Bruce, because here I am. Yeah. And that whiny dog is itself a gift. Absolutely. Within God's creation. Yeah, and the, do- and the dog too is just so full of humour and laughter. Yeah. Um, Let's look at this. If, me, that's, anyway. if that's the laughter of paradise, it's a pretty great example. The laughter of paradise lost is a laughter, a, a, like what you said about the laughter almost against, sometimes speaking truth to power, against authority. I'm thinking the way in which satire... Uh, in in, in kind of totalitarian regimes has been really kind of sometimes at the very sharp end of challenging that. Can Mm -hmm. you kind of, um, is there something there about comedy that simply kind of names the brokenness or kind of puts a light on some of those fracture points of of the post-fall worlds? And just sort of, I don't know, just speak a bit more about that or give some examples of that. Yeah, there's a kind of, there's a comedy that stands aside from things and points to them mm. and points at the cracks yeah. or I mean I mean if you look at the moment there is a lot of comedy going around about Brexit mm. on Facebook or Twitter some of it's very 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 funny observations observations about the nature of shall we say leadership in the USA at the moment um, people holding up a mirror and 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 pointing to a truth through um, sometimes quite provocative humor Um and it's no surprise that totalitarian regimes don't like artists mm. and they don't like comedians um, because the, there's a way in which, through that art form, you can speak truth. It's like a laser cutting through almost, yeah, isn't it, really? Yeah. And it kind of, as you say, it finds the cracks and there's something about, in the same way as the prophets would often speak yeah. truth to power. And of course, there's quite there's moments of kind of comedy in the prophets. I think Jeremiah's pants and sort of you know there's that sort of image of i've never really understood that though <laughs> they're saying this is you know, how gross yeah you know i mean there's something about that that comedy that kind of gets through to power yeah that that is clearly sort of finds echoes in scripture isn't there yes it is and I, and i think that kind of prophetic comedic voice is alive and well mm. it's alive and well today um and is important it's, yeah so the, the 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 laughter of the of the of the par- of paradise kind of regains the possible. Can, can we just stay yeah. with the, the laughter yeah. of paradise lost? Because as a, I mean, I, I think the ability to laugh in the dark places is hugely sustaining. Mm-hmm. And um, when I was reflecting on this, um, I was reminded of my, uh, my one of my grandmothers, Granny Bruce, um, who was a whiskey swilling, bridge playing. Um, aficionado of golf and many things like that um who she was she was a woman who used to paint her eyebrows on which i've never understood why why would you pluck your eyebrows off and then paint them back on but granny bruce did this mm. and she also had a thing about straightening curtains 
she was always and forever straightening curtains. Um, and that fact becomes very important in this story, mm. which talks about um, hope in a dark place. So when Granny Bruce died, I was gutted. Hers was the first funeral I'd ever been to. Uh, I was in my teens at that point. And um, so, you know, we duly shuffled into church behind the coffin and wept those kind of um, tears that come from, yeah. I don't know, they just seem to produce prodigious amounts of snot and never seem to end. And we filed into the pews um, in silence. The whirring noise happened and the curtains came round the coffin and then one of the curtains snagged on a coffin handle. And um, and it was at that point that I saw it as clear Clear as day, slap bang in the middle of my in the middle of the screen of my imagination, I saw Granny Bruce's hand come out and straighten the curtains, and I started to laugh. I started to laugh, and you know the tears were already pouring down. But I laughed and I laughed and I laughed and I laughed, and um, because I I don't know in that strange observation at that moment was all the joy. Mm. Um, along with the grief. And I, th I mean, I think I may have got away with it, um, laughing at my own grandmother's funeral. I don't know. Um, <clears throat> there was a lot of grief that day. Maybe it could have been mistaken for grief, although at the point at which I was pounding the top of a hearse and having hysterics, maybe I didn't get away with it. <laughs> um, but that's a kind of a story of how seeing, seeing comedy in a dark place gives you something that gets you through. Mm -hmm. Well, that got me through my first funeral. Yeah. And actually, I look back at that funeral and it makes me want to laugh, mm -hmm. not cry. Yeah. So I say that's just a Almost picture. The, the grace of God also within that and kind of God ministering through laughter. And, and through just a silly thing, yeah. just a curtain snagging on a, on a coffin handle. So can I ask about Paradise Regained? Mm, do, and, yeah. and, 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 and how kind of comedy shows what might be possible in ways that perhaps aren't, pos aren't achievable in other ways. Yeah, Aristotle talked about liberal and illiberal laughter. And I think liberal laughter is part of how you might describe um, the laughter of Paradise Regained. Um, it, it offers us a larger perspective on ourselves and it frees us up from the kind of prison bars of taking ourselves far too seriously, uh, which I think clergy are really at risk of. Mm. Um, and it, it opens the door to compassion and empathy um, and seeing the situation of the other. Um, and I think... I've often I've often reflected on the role of the fool and how um, kind of the fool in the medieval, you know, the medieval jester is the fool who gets you know dressed up in ridiculous outfits and all the rest of it. And I think clergy would do well to remember that. <laughs> I can't help it's a but a bit of overlap. I can't help but think there might be a connection between the uh, the three cornered hat of the jester and the bishop's mitre. And I think there's there is something about seeing the inherent silliness of these kinds of symbols of power that just, it's refreshing and it's freeing. And I think that that kind of laughter is the laughter of freedom. And that laughter of freedom, is that sometimes, I'm conscious that theology as a discipline can be very serious. Yeah. And uh, and often free from, free from the comedic. Uh, are there any theologians you can think, I think they probably did laugh. Uh, and that helps you see them in a new light. Yeah, uh, systematic theology, for example, well, has a has a potentially has a nasty habit of squashing the comic joy out of things. Yeah. I mean, if you've ever sat and tried to wade through 
Bart's dogmatics. Perhaps you haven't laughed much. But I came across a quote from Karl Bart, which always makes me smile. Uh, He once said with admirable comic awareness, he said this, The angels laugh at old Karl. They laugh at him because he tries to grasp the truth about God in a book of dogmatics. They laugh at the fact that volume follows volume and each is thicker than the previous ones. As they laugh, they say to one another, Look, here he comes now with his little pushcart full of volumes of the dogmatics. I love that quote because, uh, you know, you think of a Karl Barth and you think of serious, systematic, mm. proper theology. And yet he was able to stand back and to see what he was doing in a right perspective. In all of those books of dogmatics, what can he capture of the wonder and the glory of God? You know, a tiny bit, that's all. Um because there's always so much more. That's not to put Carl yeah. Bart down. That's great. It's almost kind of the comedy is helping have a right perspective on who we are as human beings in the in the face of our glorious God. Yes, uh, I think I that kind of that. laughter is is like um, it's like taking a pin yeah. to the balloon of human pride that that. That is that we so often surround ourselves, and the with. psalmist is often complaining. You know, the the, the sense of boasting in ourselves. Yeah. Paul talks well, about it. Well, it's ridiculous, well. isn't it? Yeah. When you stand and look at it, it's ridiculous. Um, and it's the laughter that's grounded in the ordinary where I live. Hmm. I live in the ordinary mess and the muddle of life. And comedy, I can't remember who said this, but the quote is: um, "Comedy disports." in the muddiness and gumminess of life. I don't know who said that, but I love it. Mm. That it is, it's just in the earthy, ordinary. But that's where we live. That's that's where we were made to live. Mm. Um, and that's where you find God. And, and so that, that's, just, that's just to say, it's, it's, it's comedy of the incarnation. Yes. But also comedy about the, the hope that we have that gives us a sense of that joy. Yeah, and when, when kind of the, the imminence of God... And the um, transcendence of God elide, then you have this massive potential and hope, where you know the barren woman bears children, mm. and no wonder she laughed. No mm. wonder what was her name? Who laughed? Sarah. <laughs> yeah, yeah can't remember her name from yeah. it. No wonder she laughed. And you know, there's something also about laughing or laughter that requires a contemplative spirit. That might sound like a really weird thing to say, but if you if you look at some of our contemporary uh, comedians who who, for example, Mike McIntyre in a sketch a few years ago managed to make comedy out of the contents of the kitchen condiment cupboard, mm. he'd thought about yeah. it, he'd observed it, um, and he kind of draws that out. And I think there's something about standing aside from life and just looking closely about what we do and why we do it and how we do it to find the comedy in it. And there's something almost, dare I say it, prayerful about that. Kate, can I ask you about, you've given us a fantastic kind of sense of the richness and the different ways in which kind of comedy touches on our, both the created world, but also the the, the new world to be created. Mm. Can you tell us how comedy has, has kind of helped you in your ministry and in your own journey of faith, what's that? What are the times you've given an example of when you were a, a younger person? But how more recently has it helped you? Um, I think about. I mean, last year, this time last year, I went through my uh, RAF basic training, 
at the age of, I was nearly 50 at the time, and that was a lot of running around and crawling around in the mud and doing things of a military nature. And, and, and just being able to laugh at myself in and through that and hold on and know that it would pass. And um, there was something in that experience that enabled me to hang on when I thought, I don't know what I'm doing. This is too difficult. Um, so it gives me a perspective and the ability to laugh at myself, not to take myself too seriously. Um, I think holding on to the comedic gives me hope even if things are difficult or dark, mm. that they won't always be that way. Um, so there's something about, there's some kind of a connection between comedy and faith. Um, mm. I sometimes sense God laughs at me and with me when I'm being, when I'm being a bit ridiculous, not in a hostile way, but in a sort of quite gentle and loving sort of way. Um, in terms of in ministerial terms, um, if I've, I've found that uh, both as a chaplain and as a parish priest, that if I can get people to laugh, both a con- if a congregation laughs together, it draws them closer together. They have a shared experience. And if someone is kind of hostile to me because I wear a dog collar, but I can circumvent that by making them laugh, I'm building a deeper relationship with them. And, you know, if somebody laughs and we laugh together, we forged a connection, um, and I use that a lot as a chaplain, often with working with people who, uh, for whom faith is a million miles away from where they're coming from. So if I can make them laugh in a surprising way, if I can dance a bit on that edge of slightly heading towards inappropriate laughter but not quite falling into it, I surprise people, I build a connection, and suddenly I'm not that you know, that other person, I'm next to them, I'm one of them, even if, you know, they still think I'm barking mad. And that's consistent with a God who's next to us and who came to be next yeah, to us. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Um, Kate, you've given us insight into um way in which comedy's kind of touched you. What's made you laugh recently? Um... Well, actually, what recently, what what really made me laugh, there's a thing on Facebook at the moment where people are putting up um, pictures of themselves from 10 years ago and pictures of themselves now. And uh, and then people have been spoofing it. So there was one in which someone put... So on the left-hand side of the screen was a picture of the Mona Lisa. And on the right-hand side of the screen, they kind of inflated her lips with filler and given her kind of a, a more enhanced chest. So we say, oh, that made me laugh. Uh, another one that made me laugh was uh, someone who drew um, a picture of two fairly pert breasts from 10 years and then 10 years further on, extremely droopy breasts. And then a friend of mine who's had breast cancer drew a picture of uh, 10 years ago, two breasts and now only one. And there's, there's something about that, which is about vulnerability mm-hmm. and that person laughing at themselves and in the humour, capturing something of their pain, their vulnerability, and their strength. That was the mm. thing for me. Um, and I've, I've just hugely enjoyed that kind of meme. It's not. I'm certainly not putting a picture of myself from 10 years ago next to a picture of myself now, because I just look haggard now. But mind you, it looked haggard 10 years ago, so maybe not much has changed. Kate, thanks very much for appearing on Talking Theology. Damn, thank you for having me. That's what my mum always said. You had to say, thank you very much for having me, and goodbye. It's been a pleasure. Thank you.
You have been listening to Talking Theology, a podcast from Cranmer Hall, Durham. Cranmer Hall is a theological college within St John's College in the University of Durham, training people for ministry in the Church of England and other denominations. Find out more about us at cranmerhall.com.